Welcome to Heaven Plus Earth. I'm Dr. Mike Peters, and on this podcast, we talk about the intersections of where heaven and earth cross paths. Some people want to subtract heaven from earth, but Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's talk. Well, today we're talking with uh, Erin. She is a mother of four children, aging in range, or aging in range, range of age from six to 14. Uh, She was notified this past week that her school district will not be having school except online. And so I've asked her to come in and talk to us about education. Uh, This uh, broadcast is about all the places where the kingdom of God and uh, this world intersect. And I think one of the places where they intersect the most is in educating our children. Uh, Ancient Proverbs tell us to train up a child in a way that he should go and he'll not depart from it when he's older. Well, Aaron, it's good to have you here. Uh, First thing, what's your response to the online education? Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Um, You know, the response, like you said, I... I have four children, and they're in three different schools. One's going into high school, one's in middle school, and two are in elementary. And so the response varies based on their ages, to be honest. Um, You know, for my incoming freshman, he is really wanting the freshman year experience. And I think there is a possibility, if it's done well, that you can do a season of online school for high schoolers. Um, And so we're going to give that a try there. Um, but as I go down in age, my, my response to that starts to, to change and vary based on the child. Um, the middle schooler doesn't want to do online school, and so we're going to um, do a combination of some homeschooling and some of the online so that she can transition back into some classes and have the capacity to handle that. And then the two elementary school students um, – both have expressed that they have no desire to do anything online. Uh, it did not go well in the spring, and I, I personally cannot see how you can argue that good elementary education can happen virtually. Um, that is a very interactive time. Um, they're learning how to process thoughts. They're not at the point where they're sitting down and writing essay papers. And so that is something that we're not interested in doing for them because I think it will really crush their enjoyment of the learning experience. How well did it work for the middle school and the high school student to be online? Well, it's tough to say, you know, because in the spring, everybody was clamoring for um, resources, trying to put things together. It was haphazard. So I think it had some potential. Some of the things that the... I guess he was an eighth grader at the time. You know, he he found his his level and did some things online. Um, again, for the ongoing middle schooler, she did some classes online. Um, her teacher, her math teacher, found a way to do some instructional segments with some practice work, and we were able to just um, do the videos. And I would print off the work that she had to do so that she was having that kind of concrete writing. And so some of the classes we were able to um, do fine with. Um, Some of them, it was, you know, just a lot of reading and filling in worksheets. It's not, you're not so engaged in learning history online or literature. Um, 
you know, and just those are classes where you're learning to take sort of bigger concepts and discuss them. When you're talking about something like math, it's a it's a concrete forum, you know, two plus two is four. It's not a philosophical question. So um, some of it we were able to work with and some of it just is not conducive to an online educational platform. All right, let's talk about the role of parents. One of the things that, uh, at least to me, that I see being brought to the forefront uh, with this COVID-19 and, and schools deciding not to go back or some deciding to go back. And then it comes down as well to the role of the parent, uh, whether they want their child in the school, on the li- online, or possibly in another school setting. Uh, I actually actually see this as a potential benefit of this pandemic is it's really brought to the forefront the issue of the role of parents in educating their children, whether it's public education, mm-hmm. parochial education, at home, homeschooling, po- home uh, school, what do they call homeschool pods that are forming now? Yep. Uh, parents are more engaged. And, of course, one of the difficulties, uh, I was speaking to a school board member about this, is that you have parents, some of whom have to work outside the home, mm-hmm. uh, single-parent situations where their kids really are left unattended at home to do online schooling and could create a dangerous situation. And they're very concerned for the safety of their yeah. children. It's it's strange because both sides are claiming the issue of safety and scientists on their side. I read the, the governor of South Dakota said the science is clear. Our kids need to be back in school. Mm. And then, uh, you know, I, I listened to the St. Louis County executive. He doesn't use the exact same words, but essentially sending the same message, but the opposite conclusion that the science says our kids should not be in the classroom. But what happens to those kids who are untended at home? Uh, this really highlights the role of the parent. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, and I guess you can't really answer for any other parents than yourselves, uh, but how do you see your role as a parent in educating your children? Um, yeah, so our, just a quick, you know, backdrop, um, we had had our children in a small private school in the area where we lived um, previously, and then we moved into you know, a, a larger and, no, you know, noteworthy district, and we moved them into a public school. And one of the things um, I have witnessed actually in both educational forums is um, sort of the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the conflict, I guess, between who's in the driver's seat, who has the wheel on the education of the children. And I think at this time, that's one thing that's um, highlighted, I, I hope to more people, it's something I feel like I've been seeing, that parents have been at best put in the passenger seat, and sometimes I feel like the back seat. Mm-hmm. And I see right now by the fact that the parents are not the ones making the decisions about whether their kids go back to school or not. The executives, the governors, the teachers' unions are asserting these decisions and the parents are now having to make decisions based on what's being put towards them. Mm-hmm. They haven't initiated this. Somebody else has initiated this. And so um, I think it's actually a wonderful opportunity, though, for parents. And I hope it's hard to see, you know, there's that whole thing of the pessimist and the optimist. You know, do you see it as an obstacle or as an opportunity? And I do think there is a real opportunity for parents here to get back in the driver's seat. Um, to see that they're the last ones really being asked what they want. When polled, 
they might all say, we want to go back to school. And then you still have a board saying, nope, you're going to be at home online because maybe a teacher's union has asserted some influence. Maybe a county executive has given um, their version and what they think is the best information. But at the end of the day, these children are the parents' children, for better or for worse. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a time for parents to take back the reins and say, I am the, the first director of my child's education. And um, so I think for us, that's something that we've, we've kind of been coming to the realization of. And in this process, it's really risen to the forefront. Um, really, this initial spring, it gave me some extra, the confidence boost that I needed, that we could do it. We could be at home together. We could learn together. We could be creative. We could do it. We could work it out. I wasn't sure if I had, you know, the fortitude, the chops for that, but it we found that we could do it. And I'm not saying it was flawless or and that I didn't learn some important lessons, but I do, I did see that I can be in the driver's seat and it can be a good experience. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's also something that other parents are seeing, that this is their place and that they would just take it back. Well, one of the things that I have seen here as a pastor of a church and just in knowing a lot of people is a deep sense of frustration mm-hmm. that a lot of decisions are being made for us uh, that really without our input, uh, even if those decisions are well-intentioned on the part of the decision makers, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that's the best guided decision or that there was input uh, from others, in particular parents, mm-hmm. but even in how everything's being brought down regarding how we respond to COVID-19, mm-hmm. all these types of things, there's kind of a heightening level of frustration among adults. And I also see it among kids, the lack of interaction yeah. and the pressure that it's bringing to bear upon them, these are kind of collateral situations that don't fall within the database of who checked into the latest COVID case at the hospital. Right. And because they don't fit into the database, they, they go unnoticed and unheard often. And as a result, uh, you have a high level of frustration among parents and kids. And um, we're seeing this. And, and now parents are having to respond, and you see it as, as an opportunity to take charge. What are you doing to take charge of your parents or your kids' education? Right. That's a good question. Um, and I, I've had a lot of people asking because I do think it, it takes some creativity, and it's something a lot of people haven't even considered before. Um, you know, as I initially said for the online, we're, we're kind of approaching it differently for each child, but I'll, I'll start from our oldest down. You know, in... As we understand it now, they're going to be doing classes online for the high school four days a week, and Fridays are catch-up day. Right now, we're working at creating a space in the home for him to go and plug in and learn, and actually where he can have one or two friends who are also comfortable come over, and they can learn together so that they have some socialization with each other, some accountability just for getting up and getting dressed and getting to their place, um, you know, and so that they they kind of really can honor that start and stop time. Um, and then for the others, you know, we, for one of our daughters, we have found a, um, a small, um, it's kind of like a homeschool hybrid or help support place where there's, um, they do teach 
classes and they're teaching in person because they've kept their class sizes small and they're able to manage the various guidelines without um, having to to close down. And so um, where they'll be able to go and once or twice a week learn in a classroom live person environment. Um, and then I'll be doing some additional teaching um, for the middle schooler and leave, you know, some science and math online, and, and we'll kind of see how that goes. And then for the younger ones, we'll be doing um, more of like a homeschool hybrid where they'll also get in class time with a small group of people and be able to enjoy a teacher-student relationship um, and learning from another resource as well as me. And then I'm collaborating with some other families to start what we're calling sort of, um, what do we call it, field trip Fridays, where we're just (laughs) setting up some fun places to go. It may be as simple as getting together and playing board games at someone's house. We'd like them to be as educationally oriented as possible, but it's really to get the kids with other kids in a stimulating environment where they have, there's a purpose. Um, Whether it's to go see Daniel Boone's house, you know, we're just exploring all sorts of places around, seeing what's open, what's available. It may be a hike, you know, a nature scavenger hunt. Um, But just really to keep the kids engaged, there are a lot of kids whose personalities are shifting Mm -hmm. as they've been isolated and are lonely and are tired of being in the house all the time. And I I hear that from parents and parents are concerned and they've never had to face this. It's been kind of foist upon them. And so now they're having to tackle it. Now you mentioned a homeschool hybrid. And then I read, uh, oh, I think it was just last week in the New York Times, an article about homeschool pods Mm -hmm. that are being formed and people, parents are coming together and they're they're teaching their kids, but in areas in which they don't feel competent, they're hiring tutors mm-hmm. to do the job. Uh, the hybrid a little different than a homeschool pod? Yes, this would be a little bit different. Um, there are certain schools, some of them call themselves like a college model. Um, there's a few in the St. Louis area that meet a couple days a week. And then from there, the students will have assignments and homework that the parents carry on. Um, And they also, the parents may have additional things that they're working with their children on. But it creates an opportunity if a parent really is only looking for electives like art or music, they can find a place where their child can do that. Maybe they feel confident and competent in all the other areas. Um, Oh, sorry. I... uh, I'm just glad for an environment where the kids can socialize a little bit and have a really engaging learning experience and then continue that with me at home. Now, do all the parents who are involved in this have kids in either the hybrid or, say, a homeschool pod? Or is it possible that, say, there was a single parent who was a friend of those who are forming a homeschool pod or Mm -hmm. their kids are in a homeschool hybrid Mm -hmm. or whatever it's called, uh, could that child become part of a homeschool pod, just even a friendship relational basis, not like you're enrolling in another public school program, but rather families Mm -hmm. taking care of families. I I think that's entirely possible. And I hope that's something that um, people will do within their relationships. Like you said, families taking care of families, families that they know. Um, It's, you know, so many of these things are parents 
taking charge of education. Um, and part of that is supporting each other, you know. And I, I think there's always a way to be a resource, even if you as a parent maybe work full time. There's other resources that you can contribute and provide um, based on what your what your resources at home are. It may not be time. It may be something else. But I think that, you know, families can get together and support one another for the good of the children. And that I it's hard right now to see it. There's the words about what's best for our kids, but I'm not seeing that coming from our government institutions, whether it be the school or the executives. And so it is really important that parents determine what's best for their kids. Okay. Uh, you just made a statement there that really kind of comes to bear on how you view public education and whether it's really being supportive of nuclear families, parents, and their kids, and how children are engaged, involved in the public school process. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got one in high school, middle school, and two in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly to me anyway, those are very differing situations for education. Yes. Um, when I look at the passage in Proverbs where it talks about train up a child, mm-hmm. um, my understanding of a child would be like up to age 12. Okay, once you get into middle school and high school, of course, in ancient culture, they would have gone into trade mm-hmm. development. But once you're in the middle school and high school, you're no longer a child. You're in early, you're in adolescence, you're in your intro into yeah. adulthood. And so there's issues there that are very different than what's happening in elementary school. And so in looking at the public education experience of your kids mm-hmm. in comparison to your own experience in public education, mm-hmm. um, how has that differed between elementary, middle school, and high school as you're watching it unfold? Sure. Um, it is very different. You know, I, I would definitely affirm that. And sort of those, um, we've joked before about the bar mitzvah, you know, that's your cutoff for mm-hmm. uh, the child line. But I think when I see what's going on in the elementary school, my two children who are in middle school and high school had a different elementary experience than my two who are in elementary now. And um, that experience, I'll talk to theirs first, was more focused on being engaged in the world around you, enjoying the learning process, um, viewing subject matter in with a broader scope, um, engaging with it at, at multiple levels, whether it be um, reading a piece of literature and using that for some memorization and taking a section of that and using that for handwriting and then creating a piece of art around it. You know what I mean? That's a really a much more um, intensive study in a piece of literature versus a quick read. Um, my experience now is that technology has become something of an obstacle, um, which is ironic in this whole online educational um, experience in that there's just everything is kind of quick at your fingertips and the level of engagement is much more passive. I think there's just become a sense of um, children are expected to passively take in information um, or at least to behave well while information is being given um, rather than being engaged in the learning process. I saw this, and it's not to say that is across the board. I think, you know, there's was my one of my sons had a really hard time with his reading. He was behind, and the reading specialist did an amazing job of helping him catch up. But that almost reaffirms this because he had to go into a special setting 
with a reading specialist for that level of engagement. And when he was finished with that, he really, he had a hard time emotionally because he was back in the classroom with the the herd and the way things were regularly going, and he was not engaged in that learning process. It was a real challenge for him because he had been so engaged. Our youngest was in kindergarten last year, and um, it was so disappointing because of how his teacher was very sweet, but he was bored. He wasn't engaged in learning, and when we brought it up multiple times, um, there was a sense of understanding that was expressed verbally, but nothing was done. And so after mentioning it and, and asking about it and even trying to send extra resources to school that were then sent home and not allowed, we realized like his engagement level isn't important because he's already he's already ticked all the boxes for kindergarten. He, he doesn't need to learn anything more. You've got him, quote unquote, where he needs to be. He just happened to already be there. Um, and so I, I think that there's something being lost in elementary education. I think what happens when you get into middle and high school is you have teachers then who've got a specialized focus. And so you get a different brand of teacher at that level because they're passionate about math, they're passionate about science. They don't have to get a curriculum for every subject for their grade level. I'm sure that's a huge challenge for elementary teachers. Um, you know, but they, so they're able to be really good at their subject and enjoy teaching it. And I think, you know, that just gets stronger even at the high school level. Um, and so, you know, there's an ability then to engage the students because you're very focused on a subject and that sense that you have of preparing them for adulthood. I don't think there's that there's not that same essence in elementary of what you're preparing them for. You're just kind of making sure they hit their benchmarks and moving them along. In listening to you talk, I'm wondering, uh, this This has been really precipitated by COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, putting the kids in this homeschool hybrid, at least the, the elementary ones, mm-hmm. and then working with the other two in middle school and high school. And um, listening to you talk, is this a short-term solution, waiting for your school district now to get back? Or are you now considering this could be a long-term solution for for your elementary school kids? All right. And Mm -hmm. then when they get to middle school, go back into the public education or whatever is decided Mm -hmm. upon, because who knows how much things are going to change from year to year. I mean, school is radically different, obviously, than when I was there. It's radically different than when you were there. Uh, I spoke to a 30 year old the other day. He said this education is so different and what's taught, the values that are espoused. Everything has changed so much since even he was there. Mm -hmm. Where will it be five or 10 years from now? I can't say. But just looking at the next few years, handful of years, mm-hmm. regarding elementary school of year two, uh, your elementary education, are you thinking this could be more of a long-term thing instead of just a stopgap measure until public education opens back up? That's a great question. That's something I've been talking with other parents about. I'd say for, I can only speak for myself, um, but for my husband and I, this is an opportunity to explore a different path that we may be able to continue on. So, you know, to say, to answer your question, this has the potential to be a much longer term solution, specifically as pertains to elementary education. Um, And even the transitioning that we are working with on our middle schooler, um, there are different values. 
and they impact the literature that's being read. And so mm-hmm. I have found in middle school, um, at least you know earlier English classes, it's not the quality of writing, but it's the focus of agenda, the focus of social um, mores, ideals, um, and that. So these students are reading bad writing, but that gets in all the other ideas that they want, that that the teacher kind of wants to get in there, and so. That is difficult to teach them then how to be good writers if they're reading bad writing and being told it's good writing. Now, are you having to pay for this homeschool hybrid? Yes. Any homeschool scenario, any curriculum you choose will cost money. Even if you do – so there's a few different options that I can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's – you know, there's – you can get a straight – standard curriculum kind of up and down the line once you know um for christian curriculums some people like a becca that's pretty you know cut and dry um there is a curriculum called classical conversations which uses a lot of memorization and through songs a lot for younger children and they meet once a week the parents all get together and teach and have social time and that's a great option for people and so that but that costs because when you sign up and participate, you pay for the curriculum, which comes in the form of CDs and special cards. Um, One other format that um, I really like is called Charlotte Mason. And that is probably on the onset, at least less expensive in that you're choosing what's called like living books. And so they may be things that you already own or resources that you already have, but it does lean heavily on the creativity of the parent. And some parents are just not ready to tackle that. Um, but yeah, it's no matter what you do, it's definitely going to cost. Okay, so that means then you're paying something mm-hmm. uh, for either for supplies yep. or for a teacher in the room or a right. tutor who's helping out mm-hmm. somewhere along the way. You're paying something in addition to your property taxes. That is correct. Yeah, see, one of the things parents are saying to me now is, hey, if they're not going to have school, give me a rebate on my property taxes. Right, and I agree with that. And now, which leads into the next natural thought, Mm -hmm. then, is what about school vouchers and school choice? We're here in the state of Missouri. Every year, some bill comes up in the Missouri General Assembly Mm -hmm. about school choice and school vouchers so the parents can choose either charter education and a private parochial school or a homeschool option Mm -hmm. in which their tax dollars are reimbursed to them uh, for their own, you know, their educational choice for their own kids. Do you support that or that idea? I absolutely support that idea. I and I, I would be surprised if that isn't growing in people's minds. It's parents are being kind of drug along in this time with very little say and they're having to make choices that are costing them money, whether they have to get a nanny or a tutor or, you know, have to pay for some other type of schooling. They're being forced to give an additional expense that they hadn't prepared for. And they hadn't intended on. And um, it absolutely is an ideal time, I would say, to present that and see it if the will of the people is there for that. And then if people all want to clamor into a district, great, go for it. You know, this happens in other states, and then they fill it up, and they can do a lottery system. There are charter schools in the city that do lottery systems that – more people want to go in there than maybe they have slots. That's okay. There are other schools too. It'll, I think it'll cause parents to be able to go to the next level with engaging in their children's education, and it'll help keep schools accountable. 
I think some schools take, you know, there's that sense of being taken for granted right now as a parent. Mm -hmm. You take for granted that my taxes are being paid. You take for granted that my children will be there and you'll get federal funding. And I'm, but I'm not being engaged in the process. Now, how would you feel about the uh, parents having the same school choice option that teachers have? Like in the state of Missouri, a public school teacher who, say, lives in uh, the Lindbergh School District, Mm -hmm. uh, but whose child, but she would say, works in the Kirkwood School District. Mm -hmm. The teacher can enroll their child in the Kirkwood District if they chose to and bring their child to education to the school system. Mm -hmm. So teachers already have school choice. Right. Okay. It's just based on where they work. Right. And say someone's job is in another district than where their residence is, that gotcha. company's paying local taxes on mm-hmm. them as a worker that is in some way, shape, form going into the state budget or local budgets that somehow reflects out into education. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you feel about parents having the same school choice that teachers have? I mean, it could be somewhere in between vouchers and, um, you know, what we have now. I think the challenge with that is, you know, again, all your tax money for education is going into the public school system, whether you want to use it or not. Um, And so if you, you know, that expands some choices for some families, um, but it doesn't necessarily, those who want to go to a private school or a parochial school or homeschool are still left paying taxes, even if they choose not to use any of the schools publicly available to them. Well, I'm kind of a glass half full kind of guy on this whole thing because I I see this, the entire COVID crisis Mm -hmm. as a wonderful baptism in our culture. And and a, a baptism is something you enter into and you come out of different than you entered into it. Yeah. People keep talking about when we're going to go back to normal. Why do you want to? Let's go forward into the better. Who wants to go back to normal? I want to go into better. And so I see a a lot of great opportunities Mm -hmm. and possibilities here to reevaluate our values. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a a Christian, as you know. I'm not an atheist, but Frederick Nietzsche is my favorite philosopher. (laughs) And he talked about the reevaluation of all values. That was his mission. Mm -hmm. Okay, And we ought to reevaluate our values. Why Mm -hmm. do we value professional sports so highly. Hey, I'm okay without it. I'm living just fine. And, you know, families are out going for walks. Mm-hmm. I went to a Bass Pro store the other day, and I couldn't find a fishing lure because everybody's going fishing. Right. And there's a lot of things people are finding themselves doing outdoors instead of sitting in front of their TV mm-hmm. watching a professional athlete do it. Right. And so I think we had to reevaluate that value. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful thing to reevaluate. We have to reevaluate how we value education and the role of parents in education. Um, Maybe it's time to consider that it's better for elementary school children to be educated in homeschool pods or hybrids or other Mm -hmm. forms of education and not just assume that it's going to go into the public education forum. Mm -hmm. I understand the the concept of public education being the coalescing of people and families from diverse backgrounds and beliefs into a society that respects our differences. And that's what allegedly happens in middle school and and high school. Uh, My concern is that I see a shift since I was in school and when you were in school uh, away from a of, of a respect of difference into much more a, a conformity into progressive values. 
Right. Okay. It's just being pushed in on uh, educa- through education. Mm-hmm. And when public education becomes the vehicle of progressive indoctrination, it's going to lose the support of people who don't want to be indoctrinated. And I, yeah. I see that happening. Uh, people put different words on it. Some see it and put it into a religious context of our faith. Mm-hmm. I don't embrace that value because of my faith. But others just see it as that's a suppression of free speech and free thinking. And we're not developing critical thinkers. But we ought to reevaluate what we're doing with public education in the values that are being imposed at mm-hmm. times upon our children. So we have a real opportunity to do this. But part of that opportunity is going to require whether we can even afford to do it. And school vouchers may be part of the solution. And I would hope the Missouri General Assembly would literally take it up. Don't just put it as a bill that, you know, you've done your little political thing and you can go back to your district and say, I've promoted school choice, but they didn't want it. Uh, Vote on it. Mm -hmm. Bring it up. Vote on it. Now, people will have strong ideas both ways. That's the purpose of a general assembly is different people from different backgrounds bring a different perspective. And you could come out with a solution Mm -hmm. that respects parent involvement in our children's education. Right. And uh, I think that's vital and and a great opportunity we're facing right now. Uh, Carpe Mm -hmm. diem, let's seize the moment. Write your state legislator. Your, your, your representative, your state senator, if you don't know who they are, you just go online and type in, say, if you're from Missouri, state of Missouri, state representative. Uh, they'll ask for your zip code, and voila, the name of your representative mm-hmm. and state senator will come up. You can write them and tell them, listen, we want to talk about education, parent involvement and rights in education, the role of tax dollars and how they're spent in education. Mm-hmm. We want to reevaluate what we have valued all along this is a great opportunity. Let's come out of this COVID baptism with a better culture than what we went into it with. I think it's wonderful. And I'm thrilled mm-hmm. to see some of the changes and the, um, the fact that parent involvement is, is coming to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, as one uh, school board member said to me the other day, it may be the unintended consequence of all this is that uh, more parents are going to be sending their kids to private schools or homeschooling. And mm-hmm. public education is actually going to lose some funding just because of less enrollment and maybe even vouchers. And the unintended consequence of all this, who knows where it will end up. And uh, we're just riding the wave. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. exciting. <laughs> it is a bit of an adventure. I mean, I think it is a great opportunity. And I, I agree. I actually just wrote my, my senator about it yesterday because I looked and thought, this is the time where we start to make some changes. It's time to reform you know, when something is not no longer functioning as it was set out to, as it was intended, then it's time to reform. Yes. And I think you can, we have a chance to go into a different, to be a different culture. So many people talk about visiting other cultures, other countries and enjoying, you know, you go to Spain and everybody's relaxed. Everybody's taking yeah. a nap from right. noon to two, you know, here we're clamoring for more money because then we've got to pay for all of these sports. And I mean, I know parents who've, Realize I don't have to have my child in four sports. Mm-hmm. I don't have to spend all this money. When I got, all, I didn't realize how much I was spending on this until I got a refund, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, we have more resources and more time with our children." You know, I mean, I really think there can be a real allotment of resources from time, from finances, 
from just their energies, a refocus on actual community, people getting together to educate their kids together, have meals together, go for walks together. I just, it's, it's a gift to our nation if we'll take it. Well, being a parent, a father, a mother, is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And obviously a great responsibility as well. God will give you wisdom. Pray for your children. He will guide you. Erin uh, is saying that with her high school, her middle school, and her elementary schools, they're two slightly different directions. There isn't one size fits all, even within right. one family. Erin, it's been great talking with you. Uh, I'll give you the final word. All right. Well, I would just encourage everybody not to be afraid, but to go ahead and uh, jump into this adventure and see what God has for them. Sometimes it's a way of getting you there to do something you never thought you were going to do, and this may be that moment. Well, I hope you've enjoyed having Plutz Earth today. God bless. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Heaven Plus Earth. If you'd like to broadcast, subscribe and tell a friend. If there's something you'd like for us to talk about, send an email to heavenplusearth at protonmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about another point where Heaven Plus Earth intersects.